The Joe Mays and J-Rap Show is brought to you in part by Mays Sandwich Shop, serving delicious hometown favorites to the West Lawn community since 1947. Justin Raffoff. They go length of the court with Archie Diakono. Three seconds at midcourt. Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship. Recognition of Arch finding Jenkins. Miscommunication it's by out. North Carolina. It's, out. it's, 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 it's good. all the way. How about that? The wow. officials on the far side have already walked away now after seeing it. Oh, a national championship buzzer beater for the title. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the 205th episode of the Joe Mays and JRAF show. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and alongside of me, as usual, co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's a great week to be here. Um, plenty of basketball to talk about uh, because of uh, Villanova and, and their ability to kind of pull through. So that was an exciting exciting end of the uh, college basketball season. And I, I know we're getting started here on Joe's favorite time of the year, NBA playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> um no, but uh, plenty of things to talk about. Some, you know, kind of typical, some maybe atypical for the show, but that's all right. Yeah, for those of you uh, listening live or on the podcast, that intro there, that delayed introduction from us, uh, courtesy of the coverage team from, I believe, was it TBS? Was who yeah, broadcast it was, it was the TBS. national championship? It's the CBS game? crew. Right, uh, but, but it was TBS broadcast was on TBS. It, yeah. So uh, that was their call of the final possession of the Villanova North Carolina national championship game this past Monday, April fourth, uh, where North Carolina just amazingly was able to tie the game. Yeah, that was an incredible shot. That and that's what everybody said. An incredible shot that now no one will remember. Right, it'll go down in the history books with many things of of plays that tied a game or gave a team a lead, and then next thing you know, the other team storms right back. That's what Villanova did. Chris Jenkins nailed the three. Literally, buzzer beater, like, by the definition, it was in midair when the clock hit zero. Uh, he took a pass from Archidiacono, Ar- 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 yeah. I think six six syllables. Yeah. Uh, he's got an interesting uh, relationship to Penn State. He's got family who played for Joe Pa. He's got cousins in college football now. Uh, but that was, that was the big guy – I believe they call him, is it Arc? Arch. Arch. Okay. And uh, he uh, gave the pass and nailed the three. And what? You had nothing to lose taking that shot. No. The game was tied at worst, you're going to overtime. And uh, Chris Jenkins, the guy who hit the shot, is actually the adopted brother of Nate Britt, who plays for North Carolina. And actually only really got recruited by Villanova and Jay Wright because Jay Wright was recruiting Nate Britt and therefore saw Chris Jenkins. Um, Chris Jenkins had to like get in shape basically to be able to 
play anywhere Division One, but stuck to the regiment and, and got it and actually ended up being able to go to Villanova. Um, Villanova lost out on Nate Britt, who went to North Carolina, but um, it worked out okay for the Wildcats. Yeah, it seems to have. You know, bringing a national title to Philadelphia, a championship, uh, only the second since the early 80s. You know, the Phillies doing that in 2008, as you heard in the introduction. Uh, so we're going to wrap up college basketball here, take a look at our tournament challenge, and you can see our winner is Steph Mays. My Aunt Steph came out on top, the only one of the 30, I think, seven brackets in our challenge to go ahead and take Villanova. So she reaps the benefits of coming out victorious on top of everyone else. She finished in the 98.6 percentile in the nation. Uh, that's, I think, millions of brackets. So oh, yeah. she did it's pretty like good. It's usually million brackets. Yeah, so plus, she did yeah. pre- pretty, pretty good. Um, and we also, uh, well, I'll just read the top five here for you. In second place was uh, Rich Mays, my uncle, the New England fan that we talk about and, and, and interacts with us all the time. Definitely could have talked about that Bruins Flyers uh, scenario. <laughs> if he, yeah, if he I, I would love to talk about that with him. Uh, in third place is Corinne Dutt, my sister. Fourth place, Jason Dutt, her husband, my brother-in-law. Fifth place, technically my control picks, the chalk. Uh, sixth place, uh, Kristen Mays, my cousin Todd, his wife. Uh, seventh place tied me and Megan, uh, and then tied in ninth place was Trevor Vaughn and our college basketball analyst Adam Filer. Yeah. So uh, congratulations to everyone! Another fun year. Um, and Steph's already been contacted. She has decided she doesn't necessarily need to come on the show. Um, you know, I, I promise that come January next year, um, when it's leading up to the Westminster Dog Show, we will talk about it briefly we'll, we'll it. and just make sure the world knows that that's coming up. Uh, she will be getting a shirt. She is taking that. Um, so that's kind of the end of the tournament challenge in college basketball, but it's not really the end of our talk with winners of our tournament challenge. Um, because also in the studio tonight is my sister, Corinne, who didn't win this year. She finished in third, but she did win the first year we ever did the bracket challenge. And at that time, you know, we weren't as big as we are now that we can offer these amazing prizes. We're kind of a big deal. So we were unable to offer anything at the time. So we're kind of settling old bets here. And we have Corinne here with us this evening um, to talk a little bit on our best of series. And uh, she's decided that her best of series is to talk about the top 10 most attractive male athletes in her opinion. Uh, Obviously, Justin and I won't be commenting on that f- facet of the discussion, but oh, we do have oh, well, unless unless I'm, you grossly, were, you didn't prepare I'm, properly. Did yeah, you? I, I I misunderstood. Okay. No, we, we're we're gonna uh, talk, you know, their athletic accomplishments, but uh, Corinne has a different idea involved. So, Corinne, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, um, I don't know, maybe you're giving it away a little too much with the jersey. I don't know. You'll have to tune in and see. Um, But we're going to talk briefly here um, about contact information. Then we're going to dive right into uh, the the top 10 list. So, let's pull that up for you. Justin has ways that you can get a hold of the show. And uh, we're going to do that right now. All right. Um, you can call the show using the Mace Sandwich Shop hotline at 530-563-6297. Again, 530-563-6297. You can also use the Mace Sandwich Shop email inbox at jomazeandjraf at gmail.com. Again, jomazeandjraf at gmail.com. That's a really good way to get in touch with us during the show. Um, and Joey will tell you about how you can be in touch with us on social media. Yeah, we do most of our interaction with fans and, and everyone on Facebook and Twitter. That's the best way to contact us using social media. And tonight, the best way to do so is through the email. Uh, we had some studio changes and uh, the phone line. I'm not sure uh, if it'll work as good as it normally does. So if you'd like to contact us about the basketball, the, the tournament challenge, Corinne's list, or what we have to say, uh, best to do that at jomazeandjraf at gmail.com. Use that May Sandwich Shop email inbox. All right. Well, I think that does it for the business portion of the podcast. Now we're going to dive in and talk about the best of series, Corinne's top 10 most attractive. I'll be 
I won't be crude about it. Most attractive <laughs> male athletes, and this is all in her opinion. This does not convey what Justin or I believe, or the Joe Mays and J Raf show in general. This is strictly yeah, what we, Corinne thinks. I do want to make yeah, sure that everyone's aware of that. Disclaimers like they put up before, like an infomercial, right? But like the views and like things expressed during this, like. 30 minutes is not necessarily held by the network. Right. Like, and if it was the end of a political commercial, it would yeah, say, yeah. you know, I didn't, we did not right. approve this message. Right. <laughs> yes. All right. So, Karim, we're going to we're gonna do your top 10. We're kinda probably going to spend most of the time on your top five. So okay. we'll breeze through your top 10. Okay. Um, but we'll, we'll do 10 to five first. So we'll start at the, the bottom, I guess, the, 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 the higher number which isn't the best in this case. You're trying to get to number one. Now, I had made slides and had them all ready to go, and like half an hour before she gets here, she's like, I want to change my number 10. I was like, no, you can't. <laughs> so It's locked in. I, I have it up for which you watching. Which is crazy because she just, she told us before the show, it's like, it's, it's a throwback one from like way back. <laughs> and if that's the case, how does it change in a matter of like a day or two uh, well, after it's been set for years? This is current who we're talking about. These yeah, things I know. can't silly, be. Silly question. Yeah, so now I have it up the way I had it presented. And number 10 had been Mr. Allen Iverson. And uh, of course, I have all his stats in front of me. So we're going to do Allen Iverson, then I'll let her say who she was changing it to. Okay. Um, but why don't you first comment to us, why was Allen Iverson number 10? All right, Allen Iverson was number 10 um, because back in junior high, he was my favorite basketball player. He was pretty good looking then. Um, I'm not saying I like how he spends his money or that he's broke now, but... Look-wise, he was attractive when I was in junior high. Right, this is all in context, you know. You don't yes. have to you don't have to approve of everything they do, but when you're talking about, you know, the way someone looks, yeah. you know, you can you can discount, you know, the uh, late night activities and, yes. and things like that. And As I'm sure many of the players on this list, you probably would say uh, that's kind of shady. And every girl <laughs> needs a bad boy on their list. Oh, right. So that's Alan <laughs> Iverson is your bad bad exactly. boy. Well, I know your number 2 will offset anything that he's done. So uh <laughs> So that's Alan Iverson from a sports perspective, you know, from Justin and I talking about it. Uh, Alan Iverson was the number one overall pick in the 1996 draft by the 76ers out of Georgetown. He played in the NBA for 14 seasons, 10 full seasons with the Sixers, and then two half seasons, um, one where he was traded away to the Nuggets, and then one after he was released uh, by, I think, the Grizzlies. He came back and finished uh, his career with the 76ers. He made 11 straight NBA All-Star Games. He was Rookie of the Year in the 96-97 season. He was the greatest player in the NBA. He was voted MVP in 2000-2001, the year that the Sixers went to the finals against Shaq and Kobe and the Lakers. They won game one and everyone was psyched, and then the Lakers won the next four. Uh, he was a six-time All-NBA first or second teamer. He won the scoring title four times. The number three worn by Allen Iverson by the 76ers is since retired. And just last week, it was announced that Allen Iverson is being inducted to the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, looking over the list without giving away other names on the list right now, in my take, in terms of a pure as as athletic accomplish, accomplishments go, um, I would say Allen Iverson has a chance to be the best of the athletes on the list um, in terms of career accomplishments. Especially if you look professionally, there's some things in there. Especially if you look You're at right. some You're Philadelphia right. ties. I don't know, but I mean, he's not. There are some other Hall of Famers on the list in their respective sports, um, but I, you could make a strong argument that Allen Iverson is incredible. A couple, just a couple things. He's the first and only um, guard that is six foot or under to be in the basketball Hall. Yeah, of Yeah, he's listed six foot, but right, that he's might really be like being five nice. ten, five yeah. eleven. Yeah. He, um, in that game, when they beat the Lakers, the Lakers, that was the only loss in the playoffs. They swept right, yeah, their they way swept. through the playoffs. That was the only loss they had. Those were the Shaq and Kobe Lakers at their prime. Um, you know, that was an incredible team. The next best player on that team for the Sixers was Aaron McKee, right, who won the sixth man of the year. Um, I I love Allen you're Iverson. Short, you're shooting Eric Snow here, but you know, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I, I really like Iverson. I have his jersey. and So do I. Yeah, I, I like Iverson so I. a lot. 
So. Well, you did. I think you gave it to me. Probably. <laughs> All right. So, Corinne, who was your replacement number 10 that you decided at the last minute? You know what? I'm going to swap out my 10. <laughs> um, that was Eric Decker. I just chose nice. him because I'm really starting to like him and his wife's TV show. So I thought I'd throw him on the list. All right, so number 10, Allen Iverson slash Eric Decker, which there I don't have his information. Because like I said, at the last much, second, she was like, it would change this. Allen Iverson, Eric Decker. Oh, yeah, same person. <laughs> All right, so number nine, one of my personal favorites. Although, I got to say, her list in terms of people that I liked as athletes is pretty spot on. Yeah, and that's, yeah I you can know, see that. They're, they're pretty good collective um, you know, in Joey fandom here. Yeah, I don't see a lot on this list that I see, and then I'm like, oh, Joey wouldn't root for them. Actually, I'm not sure there's well, you know, the you know, because when we'll get to number eight after this number nine, you know, there was a time when we were really yeah, high on yeah, it, yeah, but yeah, now right, we're not right. so much me. But number nine is Simon Gagne, which uh, is he broke into the Flyers lineup when I was in, uh, I believe, ninth grade in the year that they were um, working their way what we thought was going to be a Stanley Cup final berth, uh, they were up three games to one against the New Jersey Devils and um, choked, essentially, and lost three in a row. Um, we're actually going to see parts of that game a little bit later. Oh. Not related to Simone Gagne, but Simone Gagne was a rookie um, in 1999. He had just been drafted by the Flyers a year and a half prior. He was uh, picked 22nd overall in the 1998 draft. But before we dive more into the sports side of things, let's check back with Corinne and see why she likes Simone Gagne. I like Simone Gagne because he's good looking, um, and I always liked when he scored a goal, and the, they were always like Simone Gagne, and they like yelled his yeah. name. And I guess was... see if we would have done better show prep, I could have had you saying that, and I, and I could have had a sound clip of uh, Bill Clement or um, yeah. uh, Jim Jackson saying uh, Simone Gagne because I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, so Simone Gagne definitely is someone that uh, I loved. And, and still do. You know, he, he oh, yeah. trailed off as a flyer towards the end and they got rid of him. But they welcomed him back just like Allen Iverson. Uh, now, he didn't finish his career technically because he came back and played with the Bruins for a season. Uh, but he did have a long career with the Flyers. He played 14 NHL seasons, 10 of them complete with the Flyers, and then another half season. Um, the Flyers decided not to, or they traded him to the Lightning. He played there for a year and a half. He ended up signing with the Kings and spent a few seasons there and then finished with the Bruins. But Gagne is a two-time All-Star. He won the Stanley Cup with the LA Kings, you know, Flyers West, as we like to call it. Yeah. He also won gold medal for Team Canada at the Winter Olympics in 2002. And in 691 NHL games, he scored 535 points, 264 of them being goals. So he had a very productive career, obviously not a Hall of Fame type career, but very impactful in Philadelphia hockey history. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if in the future we see him honored. Like we've seen so many people of late, um, Eric Lindros, John LeClaire, Eric Desjardins, um, and many other names that uh, have been inducted into Flyers hockey lore. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, maybe not in terms of league recognition. He's not going to go down as one of the all-time greats. And maybe not even an all-time great for a Flyer, but he's definitely a really good player. He was one of my favorites. Um, I had a Simone Gagne jersey, again, so... 10 and 9, original 10 and 9. I had both their jerseys. I do not have an Eric Decker jersey. No, so, <laughs> so, I, you're right. I, do. I am 2 for 2 I am, on jerseys I so am far. 2 for 2 on there as well. And uh, Simone Gagne, probably the highlight that I can think of, and I wanted to play this, but I just had so many things going on with everything else, and he wasn't in the top 5. I tried to stick to the top 5. Um, but Simone Gagne, probably one of the biggest things I can remember from his career is the 09-10 season, 2010 playoffs, Flyers down 3-0 to the Bruins. It's game four. They need a win to continue. You know, you figure the Flyers are going to lose this anyways, but you got to get it. You don't want to get swept. And Simone Gagne scored in overtime. I was actually down in Westchester celebrating Eric Schneiderhan's 21st birthday. We were at one of the bars down there and saw Simone Gagne score and hear uh, Jim Jackson and Bill Clement um, make the call saying the Flyers were still alive. But we all know how that series ended. The Flyers were only, the, I think, the second NHL team to come back from a 3-0 deficit. And then actually in Game 7, they were down 3 nothing before coming back to win 4-3, to both the game and the series. They went on to the Stanley Cup and lost in six games to the Blackhawks, who have kind of become... Blackhawks and Kings have rotated um, Stanley Cup championships. Um, they've won, what, four of the last five or five of the last six or something like yeah. that. Um, 
So that that's one of my Simone Gagne memories. So Corinne, anything else on Simone? Nope. All right. So we're going to move on to number eight now. Um, and if you're watching, you're going to see seven and six pop up as well. But number eight is former Philly and current Washington Nationals outfielder Jason Worth. So, Corinne, what is it about Jason Worth that you find so infatuating? All right. Now, this is Jason Worth in the Phillies. The young, okay, so there's the a younger, clarification on here. The younger Jason Worth. Um, I liked him before he grew, like, the caveman beard. <laughs> this is, like, the pre-that. So, like, the picture that I have up that you can't see, that that's not your favorite look, then? Probably not, if there's a beard. It's, it, it, there's a beard, but it's not the it's crazy. It's under control. It's, it's, it's a little under control. control. It's Phillies. And he's it's in Phillies uniform, so. Oh, okay. If it's the crazy one where he could, like, store food no, in there, no. I don't like that. No, no, he doesn't have birds living in there no. yet. He was just always fun to watch. He was entertaining to watch, I thought. He's the reason I wanted to go to Phillies games to watch him. I, I can get on board with that, because he was fun to watch. And he's oh, actually yeah. a really interesting story up until he leaves for the Nationals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, I don't really blame him. Oh, I don't fault him like, for that either. If I, I think, was right. going to sign for, what, $15, $18 yeah. million a year? The ne the second best offer, I think, for him was at like 60 or $80 million, and they offered him like $140 million. No one would turn that down. No, no one would be like, you know what, I'll, you'll pay me double? Yeah, I think I'm going to stay yeah. here. I, you know, at the time, I felt... I didn't want to say betrayed, but I felt, oh, man, right. dude, stay here. Try to get something out well, of it one or two more years. Part of it, too, was he didn't leave at the end of the Phillies kind of run. He left right in the middle of the Phillies kind of run when the window was still right. open. And people kind of viewed it as, look, you can win and get a lot of money here. He chose to go elsewhere. Yeah, um, he played um, 07, 08, 09, and 10. Um, and then he left, and the Phillies won the title again in 2011, the division title in 2011. Right. And you think if he stayed, what could have changed? You know, maybe they don't lose in the first round of the playoffs in 2011. Um, but Worth was actually um, a first-round draft pick. He was 27 overall by the Orioles in 1997. He was kind of a late bloomer. He didn't debut in the majors in 2002 for the Blue Jays. And like I said, he signed with the Phillies in late um, 2006 prior to the start of the 2007 season. And he played four seasons in Philadelphia, 07, 08, 09, and 10, which are magical years in Philly's history. They won four division titles, two pennants, and a World Series while Jason was on the team. Um, and he actually didn't come here from the Blue Jays. He came here from the Dodgers, right, which, which is interesting great. because the Phillies beat the Dodgers in the NLCS both times to get to the World Series, I yeah. think. Am I right yeah, on that? No, you're right. Okay. You're right. And um, – one of the most, I mean, there were plenty of plays and things that Jason Worth did. He was a great contributor on those Phillies teams. Uh, but I'll never forget him riding down Broad Street with his Hulk hand glove, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. with Budweiser cans in there. So, um, you know, celebrating World Series victory. So regardless of how things ended, the fact that he helped bring a World Series and championship to Philadelphia, you know what, I can't really, as much as I don't root for him now because he's on the Nationals, I... I can't really argue with what he did before. And if we're going to put on the qualification that this was Philly's Jason Worth, <laughs> I, I, oh, think yeah. I can live with I'm that. all on board with that. All right, let's move on to another former flyer in at number seven. Uh, someone who wasn't really in Philadelphia all that long, but he apparently made a big impact on your life, Corinne, and that is yes. Scotty Upshaw. Well, he was just obviously really good to look at again. Um, he's, I'm sensing a theme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's one of the only Flyers um, players that I have, like, the T-shirt jersey of. Um, and oh, the I, jersey. Yeah, and I still wear it. Um, yeah, I don't have much on him. It's just he's really good-looking. He should be a model. He was, he was another one where I liked the way they would make the call when he scored. Yeah. Call like, oh, by Scotty Upshaw. Yeah, and I, I think, if I'm thinking correctly, I believe um, a lot of the ladies think he's pretty attractive because if I, thinking correctly, I believe, I don't know if he still is, but at the time he dated, is her name Megan Collins? I don't know. I don't know. There was a, um, a very beautiful female sportscaster who went to Penn State, so that's a good connection. I think her name's Megan Collins. I'm not 100% sure on that, but when I was doing research, I saw a picture, and I was like, who's that? I feel like I recognize her. And it was a, 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 a sportscaster, and I was like, oh, she went to Penn State. That's awesome. 
Um, but yeah, I think a lot of the, the females enjoy uh, to look at Scotty Upshaw, and he was actually a high draft pick as well. He was picked sixth overall by the Nashville Predators. Um, he's in the middle of his 13th, near the end of his 13th NHL season. He only played one full season and two half seasons with the Flyers. Uh, he came over in a, tra- in a trade with the Predators, which actually was when the Forsberg left Philadelphia. Upshaw was the player, one of the players they got in return, and then the Flyers traded him to the Coyotes for. Daniel Carcillo. Carbomb. <laughs> and since then, after leaving the Coyotes, Upshaw's played with the Blue Jackets, the Panthers for, for a lot of the seasons, and now this year he's with the Blues. So he'll be heading to the playoffs, which just get underway in a few days. Um, and in 623 career games, Scotty Upshaw has 248 points, 121 of them goals. So let's move to football now, and Corinne's number six selection, um, one that I enjoy because, you know, he played for the Dolphins. Um, and I picked this picture just for you, Justin, um, if you've seen the picture yeah, of I saw number it. six. Because I, um, I was going to say number six, Michael Vick. Number six is <clears throat> Jason Taylor, the mostly known for his role with the Miami Dolphins. But the picture, for those of you not watching, is of Jason Taylor sacking Michael Vick with the Eagles. And uh, I had to, when that one popped up in my Google image search, I was like, oh, I have to use that one. So Jason Taylor is number six on Crim's list. Crim, why is Jason Taylor in your top ten? Well, ever since I was little, you drilled the Miami Dolphins into me. Um, so I figured I'd better find a player on there that I like to look at while you make me watch the games when we were little. And Jason Taylor filled that void? And, yeah, over the years he filled that void. Now, do you like the baldness? Is that is that cool? He's, like, the only man that I think can rock the baldness. And I like his skin color. He's... Very attractive, man. So, Jason, you hear that? No, no going bald. <laughs> Don't shave your head, Jason. And he's a really good family man. He always, um, I follow him on Instagram, and he always is posting pictures of his son and daughters. I think it's one daughter. And his son looks just like him. Jason Taylor is actually married to Zach Thomas's sister. Uh, Zach Thomas is my favorite football player of all time. Your hottest pick? Yeah, he's he's my hottest. You're gonna qualify that from the Patriots years, right? <laughs> is that right? Zach Thomas uh, is 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 my boy. That's why I wear number fifty four, and uh, I just idolize the way he played. And uh, his sister is married to Jason Taylor, so there's that link there. Uh, Jason Taylor was actually probably of all the players that we're looking at, he's probably the one that didn't break into his respective sport league with many expectations. He was a third-round pick out of Akron in 1997 by the Dolphins. He actually went to Woodland Hills in oh, Pittsburgh. I, did, I didn't know that. Uh, he was, I believe he actually was homeschooled, and that is the where, where he went to. Right, within that district. Wherever he had a home, yeah. you know, and I know reading about number two coming up, that a lot of these families at homeschool and they had good athletes, they'd have satellite homes and they could decide where to enroll completely legal um but jason taylor is a name that came up for that during that research as well so he was a third round pick by the dolphins he played 15 seasons in the nfl 13 of them with the dolphins he also had a season with the washington redskins and the new york jets he played in 233 games recording 139 and a half sacks uh, he was known as a playmaker and being a defensive end other than the sacks you don't usually see that happened that often but he forced 46 fumbles he recovered 29 of them he also had eight interceptions three safeties and he scored nine defensive touchdowns that's kind of crazy nine touchdowns for a defensive player especially a lineman you're not right you know even a cornerback that's crazy but um nine touchdowns is pretty amazing for a defensive player jason taylor was the defensive player of the year in 2006 he was also the walter payton man of the year in 2007 he's a six-time pro pro bowler three-time on the AP First Team All-Pro. He led the league in sacks in 2002, and he's actually sixth on the all-time list of sacks and uh, is up there pretty high with some big, big names, primarily Bruce Smith, you know, Reggie White, um, Mar- uh, Lawrence Taylor. So I'm pretty sure I know where you're at on this, but Hall of Famer? Well, he's actually eligible this coming year when voting begins um, in the – a year from now, we'll know. He's up for the Hall of Fame starting this January or February, whenever they vote, and they unveil it right before the Super Bowl. This is the first year he's eligible for it. Um, so we'll see if he's able to get in. I don't know if he's... He's not a unanimous, 
I don't know if he's a first ballot. I think he will get in. I, I would agree on all of those counts. When you're in the top ten in sacks all time, and he's clo- he's only two away from being in the top five, I feel like he has to get in. He was the defensive player of the year. Teams, you know, game planned around him in his prime for a number of years. I don't know that he's a first ballot guy, but I think he does get in um, within the first probably three votes. That that'd be my guess. Um, but while looking this up, the other first-year guys, interesting at least to this show, two former Eagles, Brian Dawkins and Donovan McNabb, one of my favorite running backs in Ladanius Tomlinson, and Steelers wide receiver Heinz Ward. It becomes tough. That's a tough year, you know. In and terms that's of just like, first-year guys, right? You know, because you know Terrell Owens is still out yeah. there. He can be voted in. There's plenty wait, of other guys. Opinion. He can wait. <laughs> There's plenty of other guys that are sitting around there wouldn't waiting it, to get in. Wouldn't it be interesting if McNabb? One, if McNabb and T.O. going together both get in, or oh. if one of them gets in and the other one doesn't? Doesn't even matter which one. Like, that's just interesting. Like, I, I'm not sure where I stand on McNabb in Hall of Fame yet. But like, that's a different discussion that's another for a different show, day. Yeah, but. Just that could be interesting. All right, let's move into Corinne's top five now, and we're getting to um, to you know the the cream of the crop for her. So why don't we let her introduce number five, and uh, we'll play some highlights for you while she talks about him. As soon as I find there, it is. Let's pull that up. Oh, good, it played all the way to the end. I love it. All right, Corinne, who's number five on your list? All right, number five is Pat Burrell. Uh, the reason he's number five is my Aunt Janet got me hooked on him, actually. Every time we would go to the Phillies game with the church, um, she always would have binoculars to give me. And he has the best um, rear view. Um, rear view, I mean, as in his butt. Um, it was you didn't really... have to qualify yeah, it. I think everyone knew. I thought it you was were really keep nice. It, you know, kid friendly. Sorry, his second. rear view is extremely good to look at. Um, so me and Aunt Janet would always pass our binoculars back and forth and um, check that out. So how, Jason, how does that make you feel? I know mine's better. <laughs> <laughs> it okay. is. So um, funny story I have on Pat Burrow before we. I'll let you dive in. You know where I'm going with this. I, I am 99% You've heard sure the story. I know. I may have told the story on the show before, and then I'll let you cover his. Uh, um, MLB right, accomplishments, right. Uh, but in uh, July 2007, I was a few months before um, one of our listeners actually, Brian Barrenshausen. You know, the uh, Brian and Kate listen from North Carolina from time to time. They've written in the, to the show, especially when we talk baseball. Uh, but in July 2007, um, his brother Brent, who's been on the show to talk Star Wars, um, he organized a bachelor party um, with the guys, and we went to a Phillies game. I believe it was actually like July, I think I know the date, I think it was July 14th, 2007. It was a week actually after I got engaged. We went down to the Phillies game. I I think they were playing the Cardinals, and there was an opportunity for them to be the first professional team in the history of sports to lose 10,000 games. Now, you know, bittersweet, they won, you know. So we didn't get to see history in that regard. But actually what happened before the game was it was um, like the fan picture day where you could go down on the field and get pictures with all the active players, all the coaches, everyone would come around. Now, the big star guys were a little hesitant to get too close because they knew they'd have to stop at every single person. So we got a lot of cool pictures um, with a lot of the relievers and backups and fringe guys, not a lot of the starters really interacted too much uh, with us. Um, we got a cool picture with J.D. Durbin. We got to yell to Charlie Manuel. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other guys we got some good pictures with. Uh, the ball girls had to. It was a bachelor party, you know, so you had to get some pictures with the ball girls. But um, one of the guys that walked around and took pictures and signed autographs was Pat Burrell. So that was cool to see one of the bigger Philly stars there, um, you know, interacting with you and, as these guys would walk around, Brent would take the lead and start start yelling, you know, player's name. And, Yo, it's a bachelor party. It's a bachelor party. And Pat, like, was signing someone's ball and heard that and walked over towards. He's like, bachelor party? What the hell are you guys doing here? I know a great little place down the street. That that's where you guys should go. And I'll let you make the connection to what you were, t- where he was telling us to go. Um, but that was just, you know, directly to us talking, shook Brian's hand, had a lot of fun. We didn't end up getting a picture with him, but he talked with us for a few seconds. You know, it's not something he had to do. So it was fun. Um, but that, that, that's my Pat Burrell story. So actually, Justin, I'll, uh, 
I'll end this video here. Um, no butt views for you, Corinne, but a couple a nice Pat Burrow shots. Actually, a lot of him striking out, which um, yeah. maybe I should have looked striking through this Striking out or video. home runs. So that, that pretty much sums <laughs> it up. That pretty though. much sums it up. Yeah, he never actually, I think, hit over 300 for the Phillies. His best year, I believe, was an average of 281. Um, but let's pull up here um, the stats. I'll let Justin read that for you. Go over um, some of Pat Burrell's highlights yeah, uh, for so the Phillies. Pat Burrell was the first overall pick in the 1998 draft. Um, he spent 12 years in the major leagues, uh, nine with the Phillies, and then he kind of jumped around from the Rays and Giants there at the very end. He won two World Series, including the 2008 World Series with the Phillies. Um, in he, he had a, a decent season in 2008, which was pretty good. Well, his um, he, playoffs were, were strong. And, right, and in the playoffs he did really well, including in Game 5 of the World Series in 2008, he hit the double that... Part 2. In Part 2, that kind of set up taking the lead and, and uh, kind of gave the Phillies uh, the momentum back in, in that second part and yeah. allowed them to win. And I believe it's his... Was that his last at-bat as a Philly? Yes, he, he went out of Philly, I believe, that summer. Yeah, he did leave that, that year, but I can't remember if he had another at that after that. I don't believe so. It, it, people remember him for no, that. No, because he got pinch run for You're right, yeah. and everyone was talking, the broadcasters, right. even Joe Buck, and whoever was broadcasting. Everybody was really excited, but like... It was bittersweet. Knew, right. You knew, and, like, and, this was probably the end. Right, and they went out, and he was just, he kind of went... One of his first seasons was maybe his best season um, in, in Philadelphia, but to go out in Philly with... Um, He's he's a legend on many levels in in Philadelphia. We'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll leave it at that. Um, but you know, average average stats. You know, he ended up with um, two hundred ninety two home runs, two fifty three average. So nothing spectacular there, except in some key times for the Phillies, he came up huge. Right, and um, was a key part of their success in two thousand eight. <laughs> so we got an email here. In the May Sandwich Shop email inbox, actually, from um, our cousin Matt wrote oh, in. <laughs> and uh, he actually wants to check and, you know, just be sure that this is actually isn't my list of uh, hottest <laughs> male athletes. Both of you guys to, did say you agree with my list. To, so. to be honest, Matt, I cannot confirm or deny that. Like, <laughs> I, I was sent the list by Joey, so... Say what I, you will. Her, it, here, I'll let this be settled about... at May's family functions. <laughs> I'm going to stay out of this. Well, he, he points out, Flyers, Sixers, Phillies, and Dolphins. And he says, seriously, Allen Iverson, Cridman, like him, he's broke. <laughs> Which, technically, that was addressed on the show. It and was. really, she got rid of him for Eric Decker. Yeah, yeah. You know? And he's and, not and broke. And he's a jet. Yeah. Now, come on. Now, would I put a jet on my list? I don't know. I, I think there might be some cahoots here to, uh, to kind of hide that. And that would have been a good thing that Joey could have thought of to hide this from being his list. So Matt, you might be onto something. Oh gosh. <laughs> All right. So let's go back to her list. So that's the, we're in the top five. Now we're moving to number four. We're actually going to say not only in the same sport, but on the same team and in the same era. Crin, who is your number four most attractive male athlete of all time in it, the history of the world? According uh, to you, <laughs> it is Chase Utley. Um, I like Chase a lot for a lot of different reasons. Um, besides that, he's obviously good looking. Um, he does a lot of charities with um, his wife. And I think that's really good when you're making that much money to do something um, with your money than just keep it for yourself. Um, he just recently, I believe recently, adopted a daughter with his wife. Um, I think that's really important to do that as well. It's nice to bring a child that wouldn't have much in their life um, into that family who can give her a lot more. And they also are animal lovers and do, that a, they are. do a ton for animals. And um, I love that. I love that a guy can show the world how to be nice to an animal instead of all this animal cruelty that we see a lot of times. Um, so I really like him. Yeah, Chase Utley is definitely a guy I'm sure Justin and I can approve of his inclusion on this list because, you know, being such huge Phillies fans that, you know, us and a lot, most of our listeners for the show um, are big Philly backers, and Chase Utley is always one of the guys um, that everyone just enjoys watching play. They like most of his off-the-field stuff. There it is. This is the Chase Utley. You Chase Utley, you are the man. <laughs> yeah. There it was right there. Scoring from second on a ball that didn't go past the pitcher's mouth. He, he's... 
you know, he's one of those humble ball players that goes in and gets the job done. During my research for this list, I actually was surprised. And I wanted to say shocked, but I think I knew this and I just, you know, I forget about it. But for all the great Phillies teams that he was a part of and all the great um, defensive aspects of those Phillies teams with, with Jimmy Rollins and Chooch, Udley never won a gold glove. No, no. and he Luis Castillo, yeah. Brandon Phillips. They were stealing them from him while right. he was in at his in his right. prime. Now Rollins those, won some. Right. It was when one we of saw those Rowan where, win it. Right. It was one of those where um, he was actually probably a defensive liability when he first came up. He he wasn't that good at defense. We're talking thirteen years ago now. Right. But he really worked hard and and came around and but yeah, that's one of those where they don't use any statistics. It is purely a just people vote and it becomes a popularity contest, which I, a lot of voting in a lot of sports is that. So that's not just him. This is his best play as a Philly. When he faked, I shouldn't say maybe his best, but maybe his most important, where he faked the throw to first and got the guy at home in the World Series. That was game five of the World Series as well. Um, and I, 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 Greg and I were there for that game, and I remember watching that and just thinking that was one of the greatest plays I've ever seen the second baseman make. Not necessarily in terms of the athletic ability it took to make the play or anything like that, but in terms of awareness and the situation, and it doesn't get any bigger because I think that was the tying run that would have scored there, and he threw him out at home. Um, Just incredible. Chase Utley was the 15th overall pick in the 2000 draft by the Phillies. His first major league hit was a grand slam on April 24, 2003. And um, fun fact, he was the final at-bat in Veterans Stadium history. This is his 14th Major League Baseball season, this season 2016. He spent 12 full seasons with the Phillies and one one half season. He was then traded last August to the Dodgers. Utley's a six-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger, and obviously a World Series champion. And uh, to date, date, unless he's already played today, he played in 1,591 games, um, scored. He's approaching 1,000 runs and RBIs, depending on how much he plays and how well he plays this season. He could break 1,000 in both of those. He's hit 236 home runs and has a career batting average of 281. So back-to-back Phillies, Burl, Utley, 5-4. and four. Now we're on number 3, and two of her top three are NHL players, starting with number 3, Corinne, who is your third hottest male athlete All right. in your opinion. Number three is Justin Williams. Now, I can't remember when I first saw Justin Williams or what made me catch catch him and realize how good-looking he was. I believe it was yeah. at a Flyers game. You were probably with, looking through the program. Um, but ever since, he's just been really good-looking. He kind of looks like McDreamy on Grey's Anatomy. So that's another reason I like him. Um, but yeah. All right, so we're going to take a look at some of Justin Williams' highlights. Uh, they're not um, Flyers-centric because he didn't spend, kind of like Scotty Upshaw, he didn't spend a lot of time in Philadelphia. He spent not even a, a handful of seasons there. And he was actually a high draft pick. He was a first-round pick of the Flyers. And, um, you know, kind of a guy in the late 90s, especially in the early 2000s, up until probably the lockout uh, in, in 04, 05, and in that vicinity, the Flyers made a pension for trading their good young players that weren't quite there, still developing, to get a veteran presence to make a Stanley Cup run. And obviously, we know that hasn't happened because they haven't won a, or excuse me, a Stanley Cup since 1975. But Justin Williams is one of those guys that probably shouldn't have been traded when you look at the way his career yeah. has gone, because uh, he's still playing. And crazy enough. He's with the Capitals now, which means the Flyers are going to be seeing a lot of Justin Williams uh, starting on Wednesday. But tonight, as long as he dresses, and he's played in the first 81 games of the year for the Capitals, as long as Justin Williams dresses tonight, this will be his 1,000th NHL game tonight against the Ducks. So um, he may very well be honored for that, because that's usually a pretty big milestone in a player's career, playing 1,000 games. Um, But Justin Williams, former Flyer, current Capitals player is on Corinne's list and uh, some of the information for you on him like I said he was a high draft pick uh, by the Flyers uh, in 2000 Um, this is his 15th NHL season three and a half season with the Flyers who traded him to the Hurricanes for defenseman Danny Markov I mean 
the Hurricanes definitely got the better of that. I mean, Danny Markov yeah. was serviceable with Flyers, but he only played with the Flyers for a few seasons, and obviously now he's not there anymore. And Justin Williams is still playing in the NHL at a high level. Um, he played a lot of seasons with the Hurricanes and with the Kings, now with the Capitals. Uh, he's scored 634 points, 249 of them being goals. Probably the most important part of his career, though, is he's a three-time Stanley Cup champion. He won it in 06 with the Hurricanes and in 2012 and 2014 with the Kings. Again, Flyers, Flyers West. West. Um, also out there, Jeff Carter and Mike Richards for those titles. He's been in the All-Star game only one time, but probably most importantly in his career. The last time the Kings won the Cup, two years ago, he was the Conn Smythe Trophy winner, which is the playoff MVP. He scored the overtime game winner against the Rangers in Game 1 of that Stanley Cup final series. Um, that's definitely the feather in his cap for Justin Williams. Again, he's not going to be an NHL Hall of Famer, but what a great player to have on your team and definitely a guy the Flyers gave up on way too early. Yeah. Um, like you said, it, when he was with the Flyers, the Flyers were kind of in a pattern of trading young talent for guys to try and win now, and it didn't work out. And it's just kind of a constant reminder that um, that wasn't necessarily the best method to, to build championship teams. Um, you know, it, it's worked out well for him as he's ended yeah, up on, on uh, winning teams and has been a key part to those winning teams. All right, we're in the home stretch now. We're in the top two. And this is where it starts to get interesting, um, athletically speaking, from us. Um, you know, it's not controversy, but there's a lot of drama surrounding the next two players. Corinne, who's number two? All right, I think all the ladies out there will agree with me about this one. Number two is Tim Tebow. The reason he is number two is, well, besides that he's absolutely gorgeous, he has nice family values. Um, he's constantly putting pictures up of his big, big family with his sisters and brothers. He does a lot of charity work again. Um, and I also think it's important that he had that strong church value. He put God in football instead of all the negative that you see with drugs and football players um, with the dog fighting. It's nice to see some positive. Um, I don't know why people attacked him so much. I wish he would sign and play again. He's really fun to watch. I enjoyed when he was on Good Morning America there for a little bit. Um, so yeah, I hope he has a future. He's nice to watch. All right. And we're going to talk a pretty good amount about Tim Tebow, but probably the most interesting aspect from him, um, the biggest play of his NFL career actually impacted one of the, the our main listener base, their favorite team. This is back in 2011. Just take a listen. Here we go. First snap of the overtime. The Broncos have been in three overtime games this year. They won them all. Got him. Got him at the 40. It's Thomas at the 50. Stiffer got him free to the 30. To the 20. Thomas to the 10. Denver's going on the New England. They win it on the first play of overtime. So that was Tim Tebow to Demarius Thomas for an 80-yard touchdown in the first play of overtime in the 2011 AFC wildcard game. The Broncos, they ended up winning the AFC West, but record-wise, the Steelers were a much better team. So there was a lot of talk about how Pittsburgh had to go to Denver for that game. When, you and know, a key part to that was Ryan Clark because of not being able to play. the defensive back was not able to play, which helps set up that that play that we just saw there. Now, don't get me wrong. I was absolutely thrilled when that play happened. <laughs> um, I, you know, to kind of talk to some of the points that Corinne made, I'm, I'm a Tebow fan. Like, I like Tebow. Uh, the guy. I feel like if he, if he was good enough to play in the NFL, I think he would play in the NFL. Um, I don't think – I say that, 
But like when you look not this past season, but the year before, it's hard to imagine the Cardinals couldn't take him. You know, the Cardinals wouldn't have been better off with him than uh, like Josh Lindley or whoever was their quarterback. Um, but you know, I, I think teams don't really see him as as it's the, the long term solution. And it and there's not that the, there's controversy or anything right. around it, but it's just like it's a lot of attention for a guy it's who's going to be a second or it's third It's the baggage and off the field stuff. And usually when you say that, it's all negative. But I mean, technically, it's all. Like positive stuff. Right. It's just the media spin it, on it's everything. Kind of, it's kind of the opposite of how a lot of businesses and things work. We're like, not just business, but like where any attention or right. any news is good so news. All any publicity is good right. publicity. It's kind of the opposite when it comes to sports and teams. Like a lot of teams. You don't want that much attention. Right. Good teams don't want attention. They, they kind of want everything to just be routine and normal. And being asked about, you know, a backup quarterback over and over again is just the furthest thing from normal. So they. I think that's part of it, and that's unfortunate. Um, but you know, as, as it plays out, I you know I like Tim Tebow. Um, you know, I didn't really like him as much in college, just because he played for Florida, and I I don't know, I just couldn't really get behind that. Um, <laughs> but right. it, it was okay. I mean, when they beat Ohio State, I was I was okay with that. Um, but again, it, you know, it, it's amazing. Um, you know, I like kind of the competitiveness and, and those things that he kind of brings hard to believe that he was a first-round draft pick. Yeah, he was the 25th overall pick by the Broncos in the 2010 draft. Um, he played in just 35 NFL games. He did have 16 starts. I believe um, 14 of them, I believe, were at quarterback. He, he's played near the end of his career. He played a little fullback tight end. He's had two stints in the offseason um, recently um, with the Patriots and then this past season with the Eagles. Um, but he's played all of his NFL games with the Broncos and Jets. Um, he's 8-6 and six as a quarterback, so technically... You know, and this is where you just want to okay, play there, well, there's three aspects of Tim Tebow. Uh, one is like my sister said, I I like him as a person. Like, what's yeah. there not to like as a person? And people can say it's an act. I don't buy that at all. I think that is Tim Tebow. Because if it was an act, he has no reason to keep it up. Why? Anymore. Why keep like, it up why? now? It's, right. your, your NFL dream is done. Right. So I, I'm all in on that aspect. In football, I have two. At one, I didn't think he was going to be a good quarterback. He doesn't have the mechanics. He doesn't have the ability to play quarterback in the NFL. Obviously, he could do it in college. Right. We're going to talk college, about some of his stats. Incredible. He was incredible he, for Urban Meyer. Right. He's one of the best in the history of college, college football. football players ever. Right. So I wasn't on board with him being an NFL quarterback. I thought he could contribute in the NFL if he was willing to not play quarterback. Now, he wanted to play quarterback. Fine, whatever. So that was one part of his of him in pro football. The other part is the hypocrisy that he exposed in the NFL talking heads that are out there. Because, you know, everyone always talks about it's all about winning. It's all about winning. Well, guess what? Tim Tebow was 8-6 and six as a starting quarterback. That's more right. wins and losses. He was able to do with the Broncos what other people weren't able to do. He's come out big in big games. And this one stat just blew my mind when I was researching him. You know, he's only played 14 games as a quarterback. He had seven game-winning drives, right? Which means he is the definition of clutch, right? Now, what the the opponents are just going to say? Well, he couldn't do a week in and week out, and that's true. That's what I'm saying. I didn't think he could be a long-term starting NFL quarterback, but I don't want to hear these people ripping Tim Tebow when they're the same people who are saying it's all about winning. I don't right. care what happens, who my players are, all that other stuff. It's all about winning. Well, right. then why do you make fun of Tim Tebow? Right. You get, you get all this stuff like people will talk about, oh, well, that week after that Steelers game, you went to New England and got housed. Yeah. yeah who you know who house? else did? Two years ago, Andrew Luck did the same exact exactly. thing. Won a game and then went to New England and got absolutely destroyed. You know, I don't see... Yeah, it, it's like you said. People use that argument, it's all about winning when it's convenient. And that I don't like that. If you're going to use the argument, you right. have to be able to withstand the argument when it doesn't work in your favor. So you can say... Hey, winning is a big part of it. He does that, but he doesn't have what it takes to sustain it, you know, over a long time or to build a franchise around. And you, that's that's hard to argue against. But to say, yeah, you can't argue that he doesn't win because he does, and he wins, and he's clutch, and he has all those things. Which is that's why I find it hard to believe that he wasn't on the team, except for the fact that if you if a coach doesn't view him as the every, you know, he's your quarterback all the time, you can't just bring him in in the fourth quarter. Right. You know, you can't can't do that but i i like tim tebow as a guy like you said and 
you know, in terms of college football, looking back on his college career, oh, he, he will just, go down as one of the best. It's already incredible. has a statue outside right, of Florida. Out- and think about how far Florida has fallen. I know they had a, a decent year this past year, but think about how far they have fallen since he has Him left. and Urban Meyer. I was going to say, Urban Meyer was kind of a key part of that as well. All right, so his accomplishments with Florida. He won the Heisman in 2007. He finished top five in voting in 08 and 09. He was, he's been an AP Player of the Year. He won the Davey O'Brien. He won the Maxwell twice. He also won the SEC twice. And more importantly, probably to him, the BCS title, both as a backup and then as the starter. Right, he, and as the backup, that's kind of misleading because he... He was, he was, an, he was, he was a, a situational pinch, he was quarterback, a quarterback for, for yeah. Chris Leak. Right, yeah. exactly. Uh, he played 55 games for the um, Florida Gators. And in those 55 games, all he did was throw for almost 9,300 yards, 88 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, and had a completion percentage over 66. And this is where the comparisons. College doesn't always translate to the NFL. Because no. his completion percentage in the NFL is below 50. Uh but he also had nearly 3,000 rushing yards and had 57 rushing touchdowns. That is, he is the leader in the SEC for the single season and career. That from a quarterback who played three in right. partial seasons. Right, and when you think about some of the people who have come through the SEC, especially in terms of running backs, not necessarily as much in terms of quarterbacks, but running backs, it's incredible when you put up those kinds of numbers. All right, so that was Corinne's number two. Now we're going to move on and get to her number one. So, Corinne, you know, you're wearing that jersey. We haven't talked about him yet. Is he going to make an appearance? Yes. Well, besides my husband being my number one pick, the number one pick of the hottest Ah. male athlete of all time has to, you can't even argue this one, it goes to Eric Lindros. Um, It goes to Eric Lindros because, one, he gets better with age. He's the only athlete that I think has gotten hotter as he's gotten older. Um, and also I met him. He's the only one I actually met. Um, we went to a signing. I think it was the carnival, the Flyers Wives for Lives carnival. I had pigtails on. I had glasses. I was so dorky and I met him and he told me I looked so cute and I will never forget that. And I just absolutely love him. She does. She thinks that's the greatest moment in her it, life. It, it was. Besides marrying Jason, that no, was no, no. pretty Don't good. Don't put qualifiers <laughs> on it. We know the truth. All right, so Eric Lindjoss, the former Flyers captain, is her number one pick. And unfortunately, what he's known for, uh, besides you know being supposedly the next great one, and he was incredible when healthy. He was you know, on pace to be one of the top five all-time performers, but he couldn't stay healthy, and a lot of that had to do with his style of play. He wasn't a Gretzky guy. He wasn't a finesse player. Not to say, obviously, Wayne Gretzky is one of the greatest athletes in, in the history, but Eric Lindros was the new breed of, of a hockey player. He was that the epitome of power forward, and uh, the way he played just led him to so many injuries, including concussions. Niedermeyer trying to get out of his own skate. And Lindros remains down on the ice oh. as all the other players come together. Oh boy. Oh boy. This is the worst case scenario here for Eric Lindros. Stevens came across like he has done so often in the playoffs. He comes across as a left D and he slides through the middle, catching you with your head down. It's an art form for Scott Stevens. And he got Eric trying to go through a load of red jerseys. Through the neutral zone, it was a one-on-four for Lindros. He's coming through, he beats Niedermeyer. So that was Eric Lindros' last game as a flyer. Uh, He ended up sitting out the next season, both with um, the concussion injury and a dispute with the Flyers over uh, trading rights. Um, but Eric Lindros was one of the, the biggest impacts in, in my young life because he was, as I was growing up and a hockey fan, him, LeClaire, Renberg, and the Legion of Doom, you know, that 97 team is one that I'll always remember. Um, and, you know, I always defended Lindros in pretty much anything that he did and said. I think the organization and a ton of the Flyers fans were completely disrespectful to him. 
Um, and I feel like people have come around, especially like, with all the concussion right, stuff as, going as on as in they've the NFL. Seen it kind of come on, like they didn't necessarily turn blame to the Flyers, but they kind of people have either gotten over it, which doesn't always happen in, with any sports team, let alone in Philadelphia, and then or they've kind of realized, you know what, maybe the team was probably in the wrong here, and so they've kind of shifted that blame away from Eric, and he he has been much more welcome back in Philadelphia. I don't say like he wasn't welcome, but like there was that tension there because of some of the trade issues and because you know people had this idea that he didn't want to play for the Flyers and you know you could argue that he didn't want to play for the Flyers, but well, he, he did his reasons for that became a little more clear over long periods of time, and I I don't I think he is viewed favorably in Philly by many more oh, he, people now oh, than he was absolutely. even ten fifteen well, years ago. It's the turnaround really started at least came to a headway. Um, on New Year's Eve uh, 2011, I believe, the next day the Flyers were playing the Rangers in uh, the Winter Classic, and they played the alumni game, and he came back. Played in that game, had a very warm welcome. Last season, I believe, um, uh, pretty much right around a year ago, uh, him and John LeClaire, I believe, were honored yep. um, in the Flyers' Ring of Honor or whatever they call it. Um, so it's definitely, the temperature has definitely changed in terms of Eric Lindros and the Flyers. And like you said, the, the sports injuries, primarily head injuries and concussions, have, are completely different now than they were 15 years ago when all this was going down with him. But Eric Lindros is an interesting story. He was the number one overall pick um, by the Quebec Nordiques in the 1991 draft, and he had said, basically, I'm not playing for them. So he sat out a year of NHL action, and the next year at the 92 draft, the Nordiques worked out a trade with the Flyers and the Rangers for his rights. Um so it was interesting. The Flyers had set up a trade. The Rangers had set up the trade. The Flyers posted a dispute to the NHL and the Players Association, and they had that go to arbitration, and they found that, indeed, the Flyers' offer was presented and accepted, I believe, like an hour, hour and a half prior to the Rangers' deal being <laughs> presented and accepted. So the Flyers' um, trade, because it had to go to arbitration, was altered a little bit. Um, but on June 30th, 1992, Eric Lindros was traded by Quebec. And listen to these people that he was traded for. Peter Forsberg, Steve Duchesne, Kerry Huffman, Mike Ricci, Ron Hextall, Flyers first round choice in 93, $15 million and future considerations, which ended up being Chris Simon and another first round draft pick. For one player. Right, you were trading for... Well, technically, they actually the, got Eric Desjardins in return The next as well. best, you know, the next great one. That's that's what they were trading for. And think about it, that's what they, they... They offered that, and then, like you said, or something similar, and then it didn't work, you know, it was kind of up in the air, and then they actually went to arbitration to make sure that that's the trade that went through. They fought to get that through, you know. Um, yeah, it, it was a lot. And like you said, he was one of... He, when he was healthy, he was amazing. He was um, more than a point-per-game player. He was on pace, I think, you know, at the time, before the injuries really started hampering him, I think he was, in you know, like the history of the NHL in points, he was averaging the fourth most per game all time. You know, obviously Gretzky's number one because no one, I don't think we'll ever see someone, even in our lifetimes, that will He's ever got produce 50% like percent more points than the second place person. Right. Well, and when he was playing, he was always like even in his shortened seasons and ones that people thought he was down, he was averaging nearly a point or more than a point per game. Right. Like it was just absurd what he was doing, and he played it without pussyfooting around, which so many stars do today. Looking at you, Sidney Crosby, <laughs> uh, you know, toughen up, and, and that was Eric Lindros. He was he was part of that regime and playing in Philadelphia while you know the stakes are high and the fans are tough his style of play was perfect on Broad Street. Yes, and and that's one of the things that will kind of stick through. And I think that's part of the reason why it took some time but he is so viewed favorably by Flyers fans because his style is exactly what many of the Flyers fans grew up watching and love to watch and want to see more of. Yeah, certainly. Um so Eric Lindros is Corinne's number one. And uh, just to wrap up some of, the, of Lindros' stats, I mentioned he played in 760 games 
865 points in those 760 games, 372 goals, 493 assists. He's a six-time All-Star, and he was the NHL MVP for the 94-95 season, which was shortened because of a strike or a lockout. Uh, uh, and he, he won the Hart Trophy that season. He was also the National Hockey League's Players Association MVP as well. So that, I believe, is Corinne's entire list did we get everything right there, Corinne? Yes, yes, thank you. I think we've got a comment from the peanut gallery, though. Jason, you have something to add? Eric Lindros was actually first before NA, before his NHL. He was a member of the Toronto Blue Jays, and that is his first rookie card. So I wonder if his life would be different if he cho chose baseball. Wow. I didn't even know he played baseball. I, I have his baseball either. rookie card. He was a Toronto Blue Jay. Wow. Well, that would make sense. I mean, he always wanted to get to the Maple Leafs. That was where he wanted to go. Yeah, he ended up different. getting there. Um, so, yeah, wow. That's interesting for sure. All right. So, well, Corinne, thanks for joining us in studio even and to go over your list, which you've been talking about for years now. Uh, do you have anything to say to wrap it up? No, thanks. This was fun. So... Well, that is everything then for episode 205 here on Sunday, April 10th, 2016. Um, let's see, we've got anything. Well, episode 206 will be next Sunday, April 17th, probably in the afternoon, uh, but we'll keep you posted. Uh, you can always get more from us at jmnjrradio.com and jomazeandjraf.com. Remember to follow us on Twitter at jmnjr underscore radio, at jomazeandjraf, at jmflyer1454, and at Mr. Underscore Raffoff. Um, any shout-outs this week for you? Not off the top of my head, no. Happy National Sibling Day, apparently. We get yes. inundated with these things on Facebook, and I always wonder if they're true or not. But Facebook actually had their own little banner to let me know. Uh, so after Crin posted about it, I posted about it. One, so, one yeah. of my relatives was put, and quote, Oh, God, why is this a thing? <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, since Matt is listening, happy birthday to Matt. Yes, oh, that yeah. is right. His birthday was, I believe, yesterday. So happy birthday to my cousin Matt. And um, I think we'll have another birthday wish from you next week. Yeah, next week. And uh, I don't think we have anything else to say. Um, so it's going to draw to a close the 205th episode of the Joe Mason JF show, if I can just get everything situated here. All right, thanks for joining us. That wraps up the 204th, 205th episode of the Joe Mays and J-Raff Show. We hope you tune in every Sunday for our take on sports. Until next time, I'm J-Raff. And I'm Joe Mays. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Joe Mays and J-Raff Show. Tune in every Sunday for the latest sports discussions from Joe and Justin. Each episode is available live on Ustream or Mixler and can be downloaded or streamed on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can interact with Joe and Justin on Facebook and Twitter. And stay up to date with the guys at JoeMaysAndJRaff.com. The Joe Mays and JRaff Show is part of the JMNJR Radio Network. For more info, visit JMNJRRadio.com.